welcome to the main course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. And today we're going to take a focus on where the restaurant industry is and what we foresee in the near future. Um, and with me to discuss this uh, is Hudson Reilly, who's the Senior Vice President of the Research and Knowledge Group for the National Restaurant Association, and Bill Fuse, who is Principal Marketing Manager for Sage Intact Product Marketing. Welcome. Um, and uh, they had collaborated on a restaurant outlook report, which we'll mention uh, numerous times here. Um, and, uh, and, and some of the findings were a little bit surprising. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll discuss that. that. So um, I guess to each of you, um, how would you characterize the current state of the restaurant industry? And, you know, where do you expect we'll be at this time next year? Sure, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, essentially, 2023 is the most typical year for the restaurant industry since uh, 2019. I think there are ample opportunities for restaurant operators in the supply community to be optimistic. Uh, restaurant sales this year alone are forecast to reach a record high of $997 billion. It is a staggering sum. Uh, if you think about it, it averages out to over $2.7 billion a day. And sales this year overall for the industry will be up by about 6.4%. Uh, however, menu price inflation uh, remains exceptionally high. And so when you look at that advance in inflation adjusted dollars, uh, it is just over a 1% increase. Uh, and even if you go back to 2019 and you look at uh, industry sales growth and deflated for restaurant menu price inflation, uh, it's still down almost 9%. So the industry is trending in the right direction once again, but uh, the ripple effects of the pandemic are still quite apparent. Yeah, I was at a uh, conference recently and spoke with a number of operators. And I'll echo what Hudson's saying. I mean, there's a sen sense of optimism that the worst is over, but, you know, it's being tempered by the realities of what's become the new normal. So you've got rising prime costs and then consumer spending habits have really changed over the past 24 to 36 months. And you know, the result is that a lot of operators, I feel, are dealing continually with razor thin margins. So there's a there's a path to success. It's a little bit narrow. There are a lot of dangers along the way. Uh, so it's a difficult path. But what I heard just recently is, you know, operators are getting very innovative in terms of trying to bring uh, more folks into their operations using different ways of getting their product in front of consumers, um, doing more sampling, doing more promotions, and, and trying to re-engage with the, cu the customer audience. Right. So are there any other ways you talked about these different innovative ways that you're hearing about Besides the sampling, are there any anything else that other restaurants could learn from? Uh, and, and part of it is, to a large extent, it's covered in the association's state of the industry report. Um, but just you know, new um, delivery methods, new ways to get product into um, into the mouths of their customers, um, and then also you know 
what I heard just recently was really trying to ingrain the um, restaurant in the community and build out the brand presence and then really pay off on the brand promise so that people feel like the, the restaurant is an integral part of the community and they want to support it. And it could be that the restaurant is part of a college campus community. So they do you know, special promotions on slower nights to bring more students in. Maybe it's a two for one. Um, but they're building up, you know, the, the customer loyalty and you know, then customer lifetime value. Okay. So restaurants have faced the pandemic, staffing shortages, supply chain, inflation, um, and they've dealt with all of these things over the past few years. Um, what are the key other challenges facing restaurants right now? Well, obviously, the industry is comprised of almost 70 distinct segments, uh, so the challenges can vary pretty widely depending upon what segment one is looking at and working in. Uh, also, two geographic variances are, are quite strong. So, for example, uh, the weekly tracking study the association undertakes of looking at restaurant traffic by different day parts shows that three years after the pandemic has started, on-site restaurant patronage still remains down compared to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, conversely, as you would expect, that off-premises market, which we define as takeout, delivery, drive-through, and curbside, uh, remains up traffic-wise compared to pre-pandemic levels. And that is reflected in a whole host of uh, economic and industry indicators. So, for example, if you look at table service segment, employment in that segment is still down by 250,000. Uh, and you compare that to quick service, uh, which has employment up uh, by close to 200,000. So, uh, the challenges can vary quite rapidly, but the one thing that I think is true across all the segments is that profitability remains uh, under pressure quite substantially. Uh, menu price inflation so far this year is running at eight and a half percent rate. That's the highest since uh, still since 1981. Uh, labor costs are up substantially again, uh, the third consecutive year of extraordinary gains. And so when you have both labor and food costs going up, it, it, the pressure is quite intense. And consequently, that's why you're starting to see a much greater focus and investment in technology uh, by the operator community. Because in a labor intensive industry, which the restaurant industry obviously is, when uh, technology is applied against an extremely labor-intensive industry, it can really help bolster efficiency and productivity gains. And uh, there still is a lot of process in the typical restaurant experience, both on and, and off-premises, whereby investment in technology can really bolster uh, that operator in the ability to remain a viable ongoing business concern in the years ahead. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. And um, especially honing in on the, the prime costs, the, the food and the labor costs. And hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, what technologies uh, restaurant operators are starting to employ. Right. Um, so Hudson, I wanted to follow up um, one thing. How important 
is creating a value proposition for a diner right now? Well, it historically always has been important, and it, right. it, it certainly <laughs> continues to be important. I mean, uh, even during the pandemic, uh, the competition was still there. It's it's obviously gaining intensity now, and currently there are over one million restaurant locations across the United States. And uh, from the consumer perspective, they look at that total spend amount, and that's. Uh, includes more than just purchasing the food and beverages. It can include uh, state, local restaurant taxes. It can include tipping. In some cases, it can include additional fees now. So for that restaurant patron, uh, that total price paid, uh, at the end end of that experience, if the value received does not match the price paid, they are still quite quick to vote with their feet. And the one thing that has really developed during the pandemic are a whole host of new business models. And uh, it, it doesn't mean that that uh, uh, the traditional restaurant business model is going to go away. It's just that in this environment where there's extremely high cost pressure and the consumer still has shifted their patronage more to that off-premises market, the competition uh is different for a typical operator now than than compared to over three years ago. So the SAGE and the National Restaurant Association partnered on a 2023 State of the Industry report. Um, So what what does this report entail? You know, what's some of the background on it? Um, And, you know, what results kind of stood out the most to you? Sure. Sure. Essentially, the National Restaurant Association for over half a century now has annually produced uh, an annual outlook uh, focusing on sales projections as well as consumer trends and and operator expectations and how they've adapted over the, the past and will adapt over the upcoming year. It It is really a snapshot in time uh, of how the industry is operating, and perhaps most importantly, how the operator community feels that they will change over the upcoming year uh, to deal with whatever the, 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 that current challenge operating environment is. During the pandemic, obviously, uh, the industry was scrambled. The, industry, the consumer was scrambled in terms of how they use the industry. And going forward, that operator does look at their typical uh, establishment and how it functions differently. There are a whole host of different innovations which are going on now, uh, particularly looking at adapting the current footpads or the new footprints of of, uh, establishments which are being built are being redesigned to incorporate a focus on that off-premises market Certain established operators are even putting in carry-out, take-out windows. Others are adding additional drive-through lanes. And if one is still focused primarily on on-site table service, and there is substantial pent-up demand for on-site table service, which has been and will continue to be released this year, uh, that on-site experience now has really been stepped up in terms of how the consumer uh, perceives and uses that 
establishment over that time period. And, and by that, I mean the word experience, and Bill was talking about this, uh, there's a greater focus on the local culture. Uh, late last year, the association uh, did a chef survey, which we've done for 16 years now. And the top item out of 110 food and beverage items and trends was a greater focus on uh, restaurant culture and experience. And so for those operators that are still primarily uh, focused on on-site visitation and maintaining that going forward, uh, they have really focused on differentiating themselves from the competition. And in the end, we're still a hospitality industry. Uh, but the fact is, there is a lot of the process in a typical restaurant experience uh, that can be streamlined and made much more efficient and productive going forward. Yeah, again, I would agree. And, you know, speaking with operators, just again, just recently, I, I mean, we were talking about underperforming uh, units, especially in quick serve and fast serve. And the number one driver, it seemed, of underperforming units was, you know, the, the, the GM or the manager at the, t at the top of that particular location and whether or not they've been successful in instilling the culture of that organization throughout the entire workforce. And, you know, you asked about um, the, the brand promise or the value proposition. And, and yes, I mean there is a lot of there are a lot of alternative ways to get a meal other than sitting down uh, in, in a restaurant. Um, but I, I think more than ever, um, food quality, service, and experience are king. I grew up in a restaurant, and it was many years ago. But my family owned a restaurant for thirty years, and we built a reputation based on the quality of the food, the quality of the service and the value that that customer would get when they, or the guests would get when they came to our restaurant. So whether that, uh, whether it's the total ex dining, uh, restaurant dining experience or putting your that food in your mouth um, separate from the restaurant, that, that consumer still wants that experience that relates back to the brand for that restaurant, and that really reinforces the value proposition. When I looked at the, so Sage was one of the many sponsors and, and supporters of the National Restaurant Association uh, State of the Industry Report. When I looked at that, one of the things that really stood out to me with Sage being an accounting platform right. is um, the issue that about a third of the operators are having in obtaining credit and financing, um, which says to me that there are a lot of pressures. We talked about low margins, but it also says to me that lenders and additional investors, whether it be bank or private equity or some other capital resource, are looking to make very um, deliberate lending decisions. And it really requires that operator to have the financial controls in place and as um, they plan to or they look to expand their operation, maybe add additional locations 
I think that's where that obtaining credit or financing issue um, popped up in the association's state of the industry report. So they need to have a better handle on their own accounting and in order to, you know, if they want to obtain uh, resources to either help them expand or, or at this point, just helping them maintain their businesses. Indeed. And, and if, you know, my family, it was a family owned restaurant that we often needed capital to make improvements, whether you want, um, want to remodel the property, um, whether you want to expand and, and add new equipment and services and menu items, um, you're going to need capital to do that. So part of that is being able to tell a good financial story to your capital sources. One of the things that came out in the report was that, um, you know, restaurant owners are all really looking to spend money um, on equipment and in tech. Um, you know, the, the pandemic has taught us how, how much of, of a savior tech was for many restaurants, um, you know, QR codes and, and everything. And, and, uh, and Hudson had mentioned, you know, a lot about the increasing use of automation uh, throughout the restaurants. Um, so, um, what, I mean, I guess it's not surprising that they're going to be looking uh, because they've seen results and they can kind of put their hats on and say, hey, this, this is working. You know, we should spend more money in this area to get uh, to get more results. Um, but, um, you know, what are they looking toward? Are they looking toward, you know, more automation? Are they just looking for, you know, for uh, like a sage, you know, to to work with their accounting? Or is it kind of across the board that they're kind of looking at all of these different technologies and equipment that will help them solve their other problems with labor or with supply chain? Um, and, you know, kind of looking to tech and, and advanced equipment as, um, as you know, problem-solving tools. I, I think it's, it's all of the above. If you're looking at back of the house or backroom technology to give them more visibility so they can improve the revenue margins, increase guest satisfaction, decrease costs, improve efficiency. So let me give you an example. Um, if I've always said if you if you can't measure it, you can't change it. So, you know, my sense is that operators are using more technology to better understand, for example, why certain costs are rising. Is it solely an ingredient cost or are there other issues such as accurately measuring ingredients or certain menu items priced simply too low? So having greater visibility in all the factors that are driving up costs and reducing margins can help operators make data-driven decisions. And you can do that with technology. And part of it is integrating your financials with your point-of-sale system, with reservation, with inventory, with scheduling, with CRM, to get a, a more complete picture on the effects of revenue and margin. So it's it's really tough to affect what's not being measured and automation and technology gives folks the insight. I talked with a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee last week who talked about um, you know, auditing a underperforming unit. And he was noting how many FTEs, how many employees he had at, at, at one location during all the day parts, the average number of transactions, 
and the average cost of transactions to come up with a calculus to make sure that they were properly staffed. So you need that kind of, and what he now has is all that data available to him in a dashboard, location by location, so that he can go and look and see to make sure that he's staffed correctly. So it's having that kind of data where you can pull the right levels, levers that I think is particularly important. Right. Yeah, I'm a big data fanatic about the importance of data and, and just controlling it and knowing what is important of the data that you, you know, what it tells you, the story that it tells you of the restaurant. And, you know, technology is obviously, you know, one tool that can give you better data, you know, smart data, they say. Um, so one of the things that, um, you know, we were always talking about, and I think we've talked about a lot, um, was the guest and the guest experience. Um, and, you know, the pandemic has kind of changed the guests a lot. You know, obviously they were doing a lot of delivery, uh, a lot of, you know, pickup, um, and they wanted to support their local restaurants and, and still do. Um, but what, how have the guest expectations kind of changed um, of what do they expect now when they go into a restaurant? Well, the association research is quite clear that that can vary quite dramatically by age group of the patron. So, for example, if you look at, say, Gen Z's and millennials' views and expectations regarding technology integration into a typical restaurant experience, it is dramatically different than the Gen Xers and the baby boomers. So uh, the report goes through a whole host of different technology aspects of a typical restaurant experience. And, and we look at technology integration into a restaurant in three distinct uh, arenas. The first is front of the house, obviously what the patron sees. Uh, the second is the back of the house, in other words, the prep and the administrative areas. And then the third is through the smartphone. And so uh, when consumers are queried about their expectations and use regarding various technologies uh, in, in a restaurant, uh, the differences between the different age cohorts are, are quite dramatic. And so obviously when we talk to operators, we emphasize how important it is that they know their target demographic and then align the operation against that target demographic because we actually surveyed consumers about whether they would prefer to have a restaurant experience with technology, uh, tablet ordering, uh, online ordering versus a typical experience where wait staff is present. And as you would expect, uh, the older age cohorts definitely skew much more towards the traditional service experience and the younger age cohorts skew much more towards a technology integration experience. And so that's why when we talk about aligning that technology investment and what technology is available with that target demographic, um, because not only are the consumer expectations different dependent upon uh, which age group is the target, but also thinking about uh, how technology 
the expectation of that consumer of whether that technology is, is there or not, because the younger ages expect to have technology into that essential restaurant experience. And uh, there are really two types of, of uh, occasions that drive sales in the restaurant industry. One is the convenience-driven occasion, and the second is the socialization uh, occasion. So for that convenience-driven occasion, obviously, and quick service has always been the technology leader uh, among the segments in the industry, but for certain convenience-driven integrations, it's essential to have that technology integration. For socialization, uh, it depends upon that target demographic and also whether that uh, target demographic feels uh, that it's still a social experience and isn't being distracted or impeded by uh, unnecessary technology. So uh, it's, it's the industry is fragmented and the customer base is fragmented and the industry is so large that the importance of aligning the operational aspect of a brand or, or establishment with their demographic is, is quite important now. Bill, do you have anything on, on that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I was also thinking as Hudson was talking, you know, you mentioned the fragmentation and, and you know, other dimensions may include um, where they are regionally, um, where that operation sits, like I mentioned earlier, in relationship to, you know, maybe it's part of, it, it's near a college campus. Um, my family restaurant was near um, the South County beaches in Rhode Island. Um, different set of expectations um, for each of those groups in terms of, you know, front of the house technology and, and what they expect. One of the things that came out in the report um, was competition is a concern, you know, that I guess people kind of hadn't thought necessarily about competition or they were more focused on, you know, survival mode. Um, but now they're um, focusing a little bit more on competition. Um, and, you know, what can restaurant owners do now to best compete? Well, in terms of competition, uh, the competitive environment is definitely different than it was pre-pandemic. And uh, by that, uh, it, it still goes back to, in essence, the definition of what constitutes a restaurant in America has changed dramatically. In that 10 years ago, operators used to think of competition mainly among other operators. Uh, but now with these more virtual ghost establishments uh, coming online and new business models, it's, it's more viewed as points of access. So the competition is, there's a wider spectrum of competition now. Uh, there's the blurring of, of uh, channels, for example, historically uh, quick service uh, establishments would not take ownership in uh, full service uh, channels and the vice versa of that full service wouldn't uh, pick up quick service establishments, but that is no longer true. Uh, you're essentially seeing now uh, quick service uh, in many ways incorporate certain aspects of, of table service and conversely, uh, table service, some operators uh, looking at how to facilitate a greater proportion of those sales being off premises and, and uh, it, it, 
eating out is basically what we call a occasion-based decision. And by that, for example, today on a, on a business day during lunch, your decision matrix is entirely different uh, compared to what it would be, say, on a, on a socialization or celebration occasion. And as a result of that, uh, because the competition is so intense now and, and will continue to be, remaining top of mind in that consumer mindset uh, through greater reliance, not only on, on uh, social media, but a much more focused and targeted uh, marketing and advertising. And also now, most importantly, particularly for younger age cohorts, is the ability uh, to have loyalty systems and recognition systems in place in real time when they're placing those orders both on-site and off-site. And, and uh, with this higher price, menu price inflation environment, those loyalty systems are proving to be an effective way at, in essence, uh, uh, discounting what that total spend is through loyalty programs that offer food and beverage items uh, at certain levels. No, it's interesting. Um two different statements about competition, but they all go to the same point. Is speaking with an operator who owns um, about a half a dozen pizza restaurants in the Northeast. And his philosophy on competition is this. I'm not going to worry about the competition. I want them to worry about me. And his point was, I want to deliver the best possible experience and, and stay true to the value proposition to my brand and let others do what they will. And I'll battle it out that way. The other interesting point I heard, um, and this was from a, a leader at a very well-known quick serve restaurant chain. Um, their philosophy is they do not want to be the best quick serve restaurant experience of your day. They want to be your best experience of the day, which is very powerful and audacious when you think about it. But that's how they focus on the competition. They don't just see the competition as being other quick serve restaurants. They see the competition as being everything else you have to experience during that day. And their philosophy is, we're gonna be the best experience you have that day. Very interesting perspectives. Right. It's a much elevated view of, of competition. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, finally, you know, in what ways do you feel that the restaurant industry has been fundamentally changed by the pandemic? Well, I, I, thinking of uh, the developments over this past three years, uh, it's, it's an environment where the competition is, is different, as, as Bill was saying. And going forward, the ability to fundamentally change how that establishment works uh, on a minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, day-to-day basis uh, is imperative because when you survey restaurant operators and ask them about profitability, uh, it is still a very, very uh, highly competitive environment and the profitability with these rising costs remains under siege. So the ability to not only drive cost out of the system, which has obviously been going on 
for a while now, but in the end, there's really no substitute for using uh, not only the current technologies, but future ones to actually enhance profitability. And it's a situation where that consumer, uh, in terms of how they view technology usage, want to see a much more facilitated experience in paying uh, as well as ordering, whether that's either on-site or office site. And there still is a lot of that, that process which can be uh, made much more efficient and, and productive without changing it from a non-hospitable in, into a uh, hospitable experience. And right. so uh, the future of the industry remains quite positive uh, over the long term and consumers continue to shift their food spending towards away from home meal solutions. So we're all fortunate to be allied with an industry that the consumer wants to use uh, and continues to prioritize their spending in that industry. So as the years continue to, to move by, they will continue to shift uh, their spending towards uh, the away from home market, which is good news for all of us. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, the past 24 to 36 months have not been for the faint of heart. Um, we've talked about load margins. Anyone who said what, um, behind the counter in a restaurant or anywhere within a facility like that knows it's it's very hard work and it's been compounded. In addition, you've got some very seismic shifts going on, not only in the restaurant industry, but in technology, in where we are getting our protein sources, in how food is being grown that, that are going to shape how food is delivered. And by delivered, I mean, you know, either sit down or through yeah. delivery or alternative methods. But where are we getting that food from? And operators really, I, I think, need to keep their eye on what's going on, not only with technologies like artificial intelligence, but what's going on with food production so that they have a, a clearer vision in terms of where their operations will be going on a future basis. Great. Perfect. Thank you both so much.